0: Okay, Baker, are you ready to talk Gross Point Blank?
1: Yeah, are we doing now streaming at all, or are you good? Nah. All right, sweet. Let's talk about Gross Point Blank. It's the best movie that's ever been made.
2: <laughs> when,
0: when you told me that I needed to watch this movie, I was like, okay, Gross Point Blank. I bet that is starring Arnold Schwarzenegger or...
1: Nope. No, this is where we need to start. This is exactly or, the conversation we need
0: to start. Yeah. Or we Sean Clark, the episode Van Damme right here. Yeah. Or Sylvester Stallone. Or yeah. And I was like, oh, I bet this is a 90s, like, shoot 'em up, gratuitous action movie. And so I was like, oh, okay, this is one of Baker's favorite movies. Weird, but I'm in. And then I saw that it was starring John Cusack. I went, time out. I need more information from you before yeah, I watch right. this
1: movie. When you said it's a loaded cast, I thought it's a loaded cast of like, wait, who's in this movie? <laughs> it's got, uh, Dude, what's his face?
0: Uh, the 10th build actor in this movie is freaking Jeremy Piven. I would love Jeremy yeah. Piven. And there were nine actors listed ahead of him in this. And I, was like, I think this is before crap.
1: Jeremy. I think this is like when he's beginning too. I don't think Maybe. he's, uh, I don't think he's entourage yet.
0: Well, yeah, but, sure, but we all know him from Smoke and Aces, which still would have been after this. Uh, But, Gross Point Blake, a movie starring John Cusack, Minnie Driver, Dan Aykroyd, Joan Cusack, Alan Arkin, Hank Azaria, uh, K. Todd Freeman, Jeremy Piven, Mitchell Ryan. Basically, like, anyone who's ever made, like, a great movie before is in this movie, and I was like, how have I never heard of this um, very, and then I very
1: to do... few of them being stars in that movie. Like Mini driver, sure. I really feel like, and jo- I mean, obviously John Cusack. Like John Cusack was that was and still is somewhat of a bankable Hollywood star. I'd say less now, but like, well, he's like he was,
0: sixty now, so
1: yeah. But he was also he was in his zone when this movie came yeah. out. Um, maybe on the tail end of it But Minnie Driver I really feel like everyone was like She's the next big thing And she had some stuff in the 90s And then we were like Her head's kind of big and, <laughs> and there she went
0: <laughs> the, the description for this movie reads Martin Blank is a professional assassin He is sent on a mission to a small Detroit suburb Gross Point And by coincidence His 10 year high school reunion party Is taking place there at the same time um directed by George Armitage. And I should know more about what he's done, because that name sounds really familiar. <sighs> Man, nope, nothing I mean really that off the top of my head.
2: I mean the it looks like his
0: bounce, Miami Blues Hot Rod, the TV movie, not the two thousand and nine no. classic Hitman Vigilante Force.
1: It, it seems like Gris Point Blank is is on IMDb is his big success. Which this has a 7.3 yeah. on IMDb. It was, it, it's kind of cultish in terms of its success when it came out and all of that. I wonder what it came out against.
0: Um, I would say seven point three is not high enough because I freaking loved this movie, and I'm Dude, now. Dude, it's great. I'm angry at my father for never showing me this movie when I was growing up. I can't because we did blockbuster movie nights all the time, and this one never showed up
1: especially with the with the it's it's a particularly important it's just the two of us doing this because there is a strong overlap between the dale cox ford baker coalition of movies in terms okay like niche movies that i can be like kyle have you seen mystery men and everyone else is like what is that and kyle's like yeah that's the that's the best movie i've ever seen in my life and i'm like yeah i was raised on it i've only seen it
0: 150 times (laughs)
1: The night before my sister got married, she did not want to go out with her bridesmaids. She did not want to. Have a... She came home to our house, and me, my dad, my mom, and my sister watched *Mystery Men*. That is what we did, and this movie is like gross, *Gross Point Blank* is like in that lore, especially because I don't think my mom and sister like it as much, but for my dad and I, it's kind of like *Big Lebowski* too, where it's just like a thing we can constantly go back to and be like. This is maybe the best movie ever, right?
0: (laughs) Are are we all in agreement that this movie's incredible? I think I texted you that about three-fourths of the way through my first watch of this movie last night. I was like, this movie's incredible. I want to watch it again right now. Uh, So for the listener who hasn't seen this movie, uh, just go watch it. It's on Amazon Prime, $3.99 to rent, $4.99 to purchase. Which makes me think they're really trying to push how many people buy the movies uh on amazon prime instead of renting it uh it i have it on apple
1: and i may i may go buy it on prime knowing that it's only five bucks that's a steal yeah
0: that's a steal for a pretty incredible movie
1: there are so many movies out there that are like just not even close to as good as this
0: i i'd agree with that yeah i'd agree with that this movie came out in 1997 uh starring all of the people I just spoke of. And uh, for anybody who needs a recap who hasn't seen it in the last 20 years, uh, this movie features John Cusack, who is a hitman, and goes back to his high school reunion to find his high school sweetheart. And uh, hilarity ensues, and hijinks also ensue, um, as the hitman uh, has to do what hitmen do and kill some people, but also try to get back the love of his life. Um, And I don't think there's too much reason to go into depth Of the storyline here unless you're just dying to do so i wanted to bring up some of my favorite points from this movie uh number one my my second point after jeremy piven being the 10th listed actor in this movie
1: yeah i I didn't even think of so sorry let me let me jump in literally right there so i was watching this again last night and when he showed up on screen i've seen this movie so many times that i always forget he's in it and when I realized <laughs> I told you to watch this and you had never seen it, I was like, what did Kyle think when Jeremy Piven walked in roguely and is in there for just like a blip? Like he's in there for a yeah. couple of moments and you're kind of like, wait, hang on. Was that Jeremy Piven? That's the first thing. Were, were you just like, what is he doing in this movie?
0: Uh, no, because I was like, he's going to come back later for okay. sure. Okay. And he does. Yeah, he does. You, <laughs> you don't waste Jeremy Piven for one scene. You just can't. Uh, my second point was that John and Joan Cusack were in a movie together again. You gotta love that. You gotta appreciate that.
1: You would know this. I was trying to think last night. What is? Uh, what else have they been in together?
0: Were they in uh, Sixteen
1: Candles together? He is. Forget that he's
0: in that. Oh, so John Cusack is in so many of those, uh, yeah. like late eighties, early nineties teen I, movies. Uh,
1: I only think of him from Say Anything. Because that's, you know, like his.
0: Oh, I might be confusing 16 Candles with Say Anything.
1: Yeah, Say Anything stereo over the head. 16 Candles is uh, Molly Ringwald.
0: Mm, you're right. You're right. I'm wrong.
1: And then, but, you'll be, but John Cusack's other big movie from Say Anything is High Fidelity.
0: John Cusack is in 16 Candles.
1: I'm right. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I've only seen 16 Candles a handful of times, and it's been forever
0: sure um, let me see movieweb.com has every Joan and John Cusack movie collaboration ranked uh, which gets you to Grandview USA uh, War Inc I missed that one Class Martian Child Cradle Will Rock 16 Candles I called it Broadcast News Say Anything Gross Point Blank and number one is High Fidelity um, so they've been in at least 10 together that we just so
1: when I right was thinking, when I was thinking the rare occurrence, I was very wrong. <laughs> not that
0: rare, yeah. They at least a, at least 10 times they've done it. Um, which makes yeah. sense
1: that you would do it because they are fantastic together. It is one sure. of the she's great in and of herself, she's very funny. Um, but I like their, their little banter. And for those who have not seen the movie and are listening to this go watch the movie and then come back but uh she plays his assistant so she's the secretary to the assassin and you know there's just a lot of ridiculousness that goes into buying office supplies for a murderer but uh when she's like pouring
0: gasoline on their office at the end while smoking a cigarette i was cracking up laughing i'm not the biggest john cusack fan but i thought she was great
2: in this movie
1: the The longer that uh, I work an office job or work, like, a regular desk job of any kind, I don't go to an office anymore, but the fact that she is, like, chewing someone out over, like, office supplies, but it's 9mm yeah. yeah. bullets, I'm kind of like, that's funny. <laughs> that's a funny little thing that we don't, like, think about. Yeah, Like, when someone's a, I'm a professional hitman, we just kind of assume they walk into, like, Dick's Sporting Goods and buy bullets, but, like... This guy's yeah. chewing through him in such quantity that he needs him wholesale, and so he's got to have someone <laughs> that's his relationship. And... Yeah. That's that's just a little note that, it, and he has an office too, which is also hilarious. Like, he has a right. he has a business address, It's <laughs> it's got a buzzer, it's got...
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I like, didn't even think about all. that. That's funny. Uh, yeah. My next note was that Dan Aykroyd's intro was incredible in this movie. Where he shows up and shoots a hundred, like ten people a hundred times each and then is on the phone with John Tuesday oh, yeah. pulling up. He's like, hey, where are you? John's like, "Oh,
1: I'm in Budapest. Nicaragua, yeah. where
0: are you? <laughs> yeah. And he, he pulls up right and says, oh really, how is the weather right now? And hangs up.
1: The, oh my gosh,
0: his character was great.
1: The, the thing that I love too is that he's clearly like meant to be like he's not trying to be the subtle assassin. Like he wants yeah. to be the hot shot. And that... Everyone is using covert snipers. It's a cyclist that's trying to come by and shoot the mm-hmm. guy with a uh, with a silencer. And Dan Aykroyd rolls out with two frickin', uh you know, Clint Eastwood gigantic revolvers <laughs> and just unloads them in the middle of a city street and then yeah. drops them. He doesn't. He doesn't put them back. He just throws him on the ground and walks away. Like I'm like yeah. he wants to be that guy and that's his character the whole movie which is a great energy for him he he really fits that bill
0: and him trying to get the uh the the union together and be the president of the hitman's union and trying to recruit john cusack's character i thought that was so
1: great (laughs) no i mean like we we definitely have to get into this later which you've only seen it once and maybe you reviewed it again today but like it it is in my list because we were talking about this last night about a potential future episode of most quotable. It's a very quotable movie. And it's and I'd have he's to see got it again some, for that. He's got some great quotable lines that uh that I that I think of all the time. And some of them are just like kind of sarcastic like bigger themes that were going on in the 90s at that point, but uh, the way that he says them is always what I think of.
0: And then at the end of the movie, I think he has the best line. At the end of the movie, when John Cusack is protecting Minnie Driver and Minnie Driver's father, and he he looks at, uh, I mean he looks at Minnie Driver's dad and says, "I'm not going to kill you because I love your daughter and I found a new and I have a newfound respect for life." And then it cuts to Dan Aykroyd on the phone going. He's either in love with that guy's daughter, or he has a, he has a new family. for life, I was crying laughing at that point because I was, was after so many of Dan Aykroyd's one-liners, like that was the one that just got me, and that's that humor that like is, I, I man, I don't remember seeing much like that before, like the Anchorman's of yeah. our time watching movies.
1: I, I I texted you this last night. I think one of the things that's because the first time I ever texted you about this movie and doing it on the podcast was me kind of realizing, like, this is a movie that's a little before its time in terms of, like, tone, and humor, and, like, it feels like today this is a comedy we get all the time. Like, we don't get, like, the jerks, animal houses, you know, lampoon-type comedies anymore. We get these, like, kind of comedies, hidden in darker themes, dark comedies, dramatic comedies, yeah. that kind of thing. Um,
0: if this movie came out in 2010, it would have broken all of the movie records. I think.
1: I think so. Uh, I mean, yeah. you know, that's that's definitely an exercise that uh, that's that's worth. I, I I don't want this movie to be remade because oh, I would. I have want, the
0: exact opposite opinion. Of well, that. here's
1: the thing: is that I don't. It's that I do in terms of. I need a movie to be remade that is the same kind of plot and the same tone, but you better load me up with entirely new witty repartee. Because if you sure. just did a Shopper Shot remake, I'd be like, ah,
0: yeah, I don't, I don't want to see that. Let's again. let's put a pin in that because I want to come yeah, back to let's have the that remake conversation. Idea. I have
1: thoughts. Yeah.
0: Um. And then what was? Oh, um. Did you recognize Bobby Beamer? From this movie, who has like two lines and they're both drunken and creepy?
1: Uh, no, uh, you go I with the do flat love... top
0: at the uh, deal.
1: So the I, I didn't in the movie, but I'm looking at the IMDb page right now for *Gross Point Blank*, and I thought to myself, why do I know that guy? And I was literally that's
0: the guy who page. got his head crushed by Negan in *The Walking Dead*. It's the only thing I've ever seen him in other than this movie. I was like, oh, you, you died in *The Walking Dead* pretty terribly um let oh, me see wow. what else
1: yeah let's see he's in oh he's in invincible oh okay oh, cool wow he's uh you know there's a through line for him apparently and getting your head crushed because he's red sure. rush in invincible who gets his head nice. crushed <laughs> nice
0: and uh my last big overarching thought of this movie is it's truly amazing how far we've come in terms of, like, realistic gun fighting on the screen. I watched this movie just two weeks removed of watching John Wick 4, which is maybe the best, like, shoot-em-up gunplay movie ever. So watching John Cusack, like, run, like, elbows out, like, dual-wielding yeah. pistols and shooting. But also, like, at times where, like, he's, like, reloading and the gun is, like, is not... Uh, I don't know the proper gun term. It's not pulled sure. all the way back where it's saying, oh, it needs to be reloaded. It's not empty. And then there's times when it is empty and he's still shooting and it's like, we really just didn't care in the 90s about the realism going on here, which maybe for the best. Who's to
1: say? There's a couple of plot points that I definitely want to get into that are just out of this world good. So
0: Well, bring them up after this because my favorite kill of this movie is when he throws the TV. And Dan Aykroyd's face. And it's, Dan
1: it's not, Aykroyd it's is crushed by a TV. Because <laughs> it's, it's a kill that can... It's a kill that's about to become a, irrelevant. I mean, you think about like... Like, true-on, no-bubble-back flat screens are about to go... I mean, they're less than yeah. a decade away. Right. And so he's got this big, heavy, bulb-back TV. And it's brutal. Like... Yeah. when you realize when you realize like because the more that you like watch it the more you realize like he's looking around for something to kill him with and it dawns on him like i'm gonna kill him with this tv like <laughs> yeah. and it's a brutal kill the the pin kill in the high school is
0: oh you know, yes that one's good one, tough yeah.
1: and i mean come on he yeah. killed him with a pencil like Hey, John. Did this
0: movie walk so John yeah. Wick could run? I don't know. Yeah,
1: I mean, seriously, no, it didn't. Um, I would say <laughs> probably Boondock Saints, but we can talk about that in the John Wick, <laughs> Wick episode, which you guys should listen to from a couple weeks ago. Um, nice. That's a great kill. I also really love, um, I love how the, the beginning of the movie sets up that he is a very smart guy but something's going on with him where Mm -hmm. he's off his game. Like, that kill where he's, that uh, that uh, that uh, hotel scene where he's trying to poison the dude through the drop line. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, that, that's great. Like, and you don't see that. And that's also one of those things where you're like, that totally feels like some Soviet-era shit that, like, totally was happening all the time. And, like, you know, we just think, like, people are getting shot or stabbed or whatever, but like, that's that's a pretty cunning, like, technique or whatever, Um, and he, it it fails, and he ends up shooting the guy, but, um, like, there's some, there's some really cool notes like that, that I think are, like, hey, this, and they do kind of make a couple jokes to that, like, this is right post-Cold War, and, you know, so, but it's, uh, there's some real interesting clandestine things about it, too, that I think are kind of, like, oh, that's interesting, maybe a little realistic, too.
0: Yeah, and to further the point of he's a a guy going through some stuff. His relationship with his therapist, Alan Arkin, played by the great Alan Arkin, who should be in more things. I hope he's still alive. He may not be. Um, But when when they cut to the scene of him sitting on the couch and just talking about his feelings and I just don't really love what I do anymore and I feel conflicted. And Alan Arkin goes, I repeatedly asked you to stop coming to my office. I that was so great that was you such told an me, awesome
2: bit
1: you told me after four sessions and I asked you to stop coming you, know, you keep coming the same time every week <laughs> yeah no that was so his, great Dr. Oatman, his relationship I say the I say the line have fun, don't kill anybody is, <laughs> is a repeated line in my life because that's what he says before he goes to the prom Have fun. Don't kill anybody. How just like genuinely upset he is, but also like he's not going to fire him. That whole scene of that first therapy session that you have Alan Arkin, Dr. Oatman, just pacing in panic behind his desk the whole time. And John Cusack, a lethal killer, is sitting in what looks to be maybe the most broken chair in the world. Like totally sunk (laughs) into the ground. Yeah. And it's a great framing the line of uh, you know, uh, basically when he's like, "Plus, I know where you live." Like that's a really funny. Yes, moment. that was Like great. that's yeah, that's not a that wasn't designed to make me feel good. And it's just like, uh yeah, their <laughs> that relationship was not was... designed
0: to make me feel good. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, uh,
1: this he movie was great good. Because he and was Ar- That 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 character dynamic is really awesome.
0: It was great. Um, I really liked Alan Orkin. Uh, And now, with the John Cusack. This is my favorite John Cusack movie, and it's not. Cool. Oh, I say, I take that oh. back. This is my second favorite John Cusack movie, next to Con Air. Uh, but this is a this is a John Cusack movie whereas Con Air is a Nick Cage and yes. uh, John Malkovich movie. Um, this movie. Earned an estimated 6.8 million dollars opening weekend, ranking number four at the box office. Holy cow. It went on to earn $28 million in the United States. Um, it opened the same month as Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion, which was another 1980s themed high school reunion film from Disney, which is so
2: funny. <laughs> what? I okay, that wait
1: for it. What did it? What did it go up against? Like, I mean, what? Like, but what opening weekend or what was out at that time aside from Ruby and *Michelle*? Oh, man, like, I don't
0: know. Release date was April eleventh, nineteen ninety-seven. Wow, we're we're coming up on the anniversary. Yeah,
1: gotta watch it on April eleventh. I guess that tomorrow.
0: Guess okay, I'm let's Grinch see. Point
1: Blank again.
0: <laughs> the so for the weekend of April eleventh, nineteen ninety-seven, number one was *Anaconda*. Number two, Liar Liar. Number three, The Saint. I don't know that one. And then number four, Gross Point Blank. Um, liar liar's,
1: got, Liar is a big movie. I mean, so that's coming. Liar Liar is great. Yeah. It's got a, a little bit of a wry kind of comedy. So if you're sitting there saying, I'm not going to go see a Jim Carrey comedy in the 90s or John Cusack, Like that would make sense.
0: It earned $5 million more million than Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi, but I have to assume that that's been in theaters. Oh, it had been in, it had been uh, released for 725 weeks at that point. <laughs> so substantially. So it uh, Wait, it was out for a long time. Was,
1: why was Star Wars Return of the Jedi a movie released over 15 years prior to that? I, I don't know. Why was know. it still in theaters? The 90s oh, are you, weird. That was
0: man. when the well, that's back when they they released all of them again to hype up for the, uh, the Phantom Menace. Yeah. What is The Saint? I want to know now. I'm on a... The Saint is a movie featuring Val Kilmer and Elizabeth Elizabeth Shue. This looks terrible. I think we did a good job in picking Gross point Blank Blank. Um,
1: why Dude, did I do that I tangent? think it's... Oh. I think it's way better than Liar Liar. Like... <sighs> Liar Liar is a great movie, but this is, I don't know, this this, this feels like, this feels like the insider, like, yeah, this is the movie that really started it, and I don't think it did. I don't think anyone would sit there and be like, yeah, this is what started, like, dark comedy, action comedy type things, but, sure, you know, I would love one day for a rash of filmmakers to come out and be like, yeah, it was gross point blank that really got us going. Because
0: I would be like here's, here's my thought. I've never once thought, oh man, I hope they do a remake of Liar Liar someday. After I finished this movie, I was like, every 10 years, they should remake Rose Point Blank with just whichever people grew up in the time period 10 years before yep. and, and do the whole thing with the music and with the clothes and the whole thing. Because I think that would be so funny because uh, I really enjoyed the music in this movie the music um, is awesome yeah I, and I think it didn't really uh hit me until uh live and let die came on and I was like oh yeah this is this is fire <laughs> and this is yeah. great and I started really paying attention to all the music in the background uh, which was awesome and a great throwback to the late 80s um so this this movie was Starring a guy who made his uh, way through Hollywood in, like, teenage Uh rom-coms. It was a story about him going back to his high school reunion 10 years later uh, with a bunch of 80s uh, music and with a bunch of that, uh, that thing that everybody who's in their 30s is going through being like, man... I wonder if everyone who I went to high school with is doing better than me, and if I go to this reunion, am I just going to be sad, or, or am I going to be pleasantly surprised? Or you know, what is? It was such a really cool thought. As you and I are now in our thirties, and uh, our ten-year high school reunion was uh, postponed due to COVID, and then I think that probably happened. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, So this resonated with me quite a bit because I was like, man, there are so many fantastic opportunities with this movie. Um, but I wanted to ask you if what would be the live and let die of the gross point blade for us? Like if the movie was made for us, like what would that's, be the big song uh, very, of this remake?
1: So my favorite thing about the choice of live and let die is that it is like kind of this bad song for so long. And when they use it, it is in this really funny moment where yeah. it kind of is like a letdown about everything because he shows up at his house that's his childhood home and it's now a convenience store. And so it's jamming, like about to get to the da-da-da, da da da-da, And when it gets <laughs> yeah. to that, he walks into the convenience store and it's like 8-bit elevator music playing that riff yeah. as he's walking through the convenience store and being like, what what happened to my home? And so, like, I think you're automatically getting into, like, epic bro jams of the, you know, of 2010 to 2014. And so I think it may even, like, if you're trying to retune it a little bit, you may be getting into, like, hip-hop stuff, like A Pursuit of Happiness by Kid Cudi, like, where you're sitting there like that was all like the epic party jam and now it's kind of a letdown because you're like oh we're all old and everything's not going well <laughs> you can maybe throw some like little Wayne in there or I mean like rock was kind of on the outs I would say like you get like a, the a, a song that I think fits really well uh is uh like either A-Punk by Vampire Weekend kind of fits the I was tongue, say Vampire Weekend life, yeah Mm -hmm. Or that uh, Listomania by Phoenix. I thought like if you were to make this movie, would fit really well in this. Um, But whatever, like because I think Live and Let Die. Like you know, obviously we weren't born yet, but I think it definitely. That's Bon Jovi, right?
0: Uh, Paul McCartney and the Wings.
1: Is it really? Man, Mm -hmm. that sounds like Bon Jovi. That's even that's rough. (laughs) What?
0: I'm ninety nine percent sure. I can look it up though. Guns and Roses covered it
1: guns and roses cover. But by, it.
0: performed and written by the wings.
1: Yeah, it, yeah, you're right. Uh, either way, uh, uh me and my 80s ignorance aside, it sounds it's a very <laughs> iconic uh it's a it feels a bit like a very like kind of specific to that era. Um I think take it on It was me, a
0: Bond It was a Bond soundtrack, if I'm not mistaken. That's
1: right. And uh take yep. on knees in this as well. Uh, oh, I missed that. <sighs> Yeah, Take On these in it. Uh, Send Me On My Way is another one, which is a yes, ridiculous yeah. little song.
2: Send Me On My it. Way. Um,
1: but yeah, I think that you would definitely need sounds that are super indicative of the time. And so... like. Let me throw a couple type, at you here. Yeah, give me.
0: If they were to remake this in 2020, uh, so going back to your 2010 high school graduation, uh, I feel like you would hear... Love the Way You Lie by Eminem. And I think Rihanna maybe. I don't remember who the chick was. You remember that song?
1: Totally hear that. Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. And that fits that. Airplanes
0: like, that kinda... by B.O.B. Uh, that song was all over the place. Um, Animal by that band that you liked that I didn't like. Can't remember who that was.
2: Uh, oh, Teenage my gosh. Dream
0: by uh, by Katy, Katy Perry. Perry. And then the one that I think would be like my would be my live and let die. Would be as your love is my drug by Kesha. I think if as soon as I hear that song, I am transported back to the to the eleventh grade when I was jamming out to that in my in my car. Was it, um, what
1: was the song that you and I listened to in high school? The let it was it let it rock or something. The well, oh I, wow I, yeah I the fire. neon trees is yeah, what I'm thinking of with Animal. I did like that. Neon band. trees, I, I yeah. like that band.
0: You did. You covered that song sure. in high school, if I remember correctly. I
1: sure did cover that One of that your song. shows.
0: Yeah. Um, so that that got me thinking like, so I like this movie so much. I am 100% on board with them remaking it. Maybe not like scene for scene or shot for shot, but doing it with uh, people that you knew growing up in that time period and, and changing uh, maybe bits of the story, but then always kind of being a hitman going back well, to his home and getting to see like a different nostalgic piece.
1: It's definitely a, a thing that we all we all know the guy or the girl or the person or whatever that we went to high school with and we were like, What the hell happened to them? And that's what this movie's sure. about. And it literally is like the thing that happened to that guy was that he became a hitman. And a great thing about it is that Martin Blank never lies about what he does.
2: When right. people come yes. back
1: and are like, "What happened to you?" He's like, "I'm a hitman," and everyone's like, wow, I kill people for whatever oh, you got That's not what you do. That so, was like when I, he killed
0: the guy with the pin, and many drivers saw him. He's like, "I told you." <laughs> like, I don't know what yeah. you want from me. I, told to be, you be fair,
1: people. <laughs> yeah. when yeah, when he when Jeremy Piven helps him burn the body. Like after all of that, they have the same opening conversation where he's like, "Martin blank, what have you been up to the last 10 years?" <laughs> and he's yeah like, he told you the whole time he's a professional killer um I thought about this a lot today because this is you know what we were talking about last night like this is what I've been thinking about who would I be... I think my number one that I would pick is Jonah Hill. If I had to pick oh to play the
0: lead character in the remake to
1: play the lead character in the remake, I would pick Jonah Hill because I think that he could hit the oh, wow. comedy aspects of it, and I think that it would be a little unexpected for him to be some sort of like action star. So that's that was that was the one I kept thinking of because I feel like he could hit the same notes that you need from John Cusack's character. Um, because you said like this is your favorite John Cusack role. This is what when someone says John Cusack, this is almost all I think of. And so when really? I see okay, when I see him in something else, I'm like, why aren't you funny? Like, I think <laughs> you'd be sarcastic and funny right now. Like, and I think that Jonah can I, do that well. But I have some other thoughts. I,
0: I didn't. Years. So when I was watching this, I was like. He's doing an incredible Ryan Reynolds impersonation right now and then I realized this was 15 years really before we knew who Ryan Reynolds was. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's a really that good one. The, yeah.
0: And I I so when I was thinking like who would play the 2020 version of this? Ryan Reynolds and Chris Pine were the first that came to head to my head, but then I realized they're too old. Um they're too old. they would have to be someone who's in like in their like 30s, like early 30s. Um, so the one that I came oh, up geez. with was Zac Efron because he <laughs> We we grew up with him as High School Musical star, so I thought that would, that would hit like on a really, really incredible good. note to, to be the guy that who came back really to his high night. school reunion. Yeah,
1: that would be a but very my
0: was, initial one was Ryan Reynolds or Chris Pine though because they 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 do the same really subtle sarcastic comedy really. Yeah,
1: well. no, it's very much if you watch it, uh, if you've ever seen it and you watch it, it's definitely got some notes and beats that like Deadpool has. It's very self-aware, mm-hmm. it's very, um, and the thing I keep coming back to is, like, the term rye. Like, it's a super, like, like, like sarcastic, very witty, um, those are good, though. I mean, you could always, you could say it's, I, the other thing I keep thinking as now being the, you know, 10-year reunion target market, I think it would be funnier if it was a 20 year reunion. And so if okay. you did that, it wouldn't be, cause like, like nobody, at least in our era now, like when you're in the nineties, yeah, everyone was buying houses, having kids, really settling down. That's not much of a trope for our generation right now. Like,
2: yeah. you know,
1: you've got kids, you don't own a home. Drew and I own a home. We don't have kids yet. Like, there's a lot of different, like, values and things that we're kind of chasing after. Where it's like, and still even figuring out what our career is. And But you have all of these people where it's like, Martin Blank is like, I've been doing this the last 10 years. I don't know if I want to keep doing it. And everyone else is like, hey, I'm a doctor. It's like, we don't really know that many people yet that are actually doctors. Like, if you're 28 yeah. years old, you're just becoming one. And so I do think that uh, that's one of the things that doesn't age well for me. But as I'm watching it, I'm like, man, all these people sure do have their stuff together for 28 yeah. years old. <laughs> they
0: really figured this stuff out pretty
1: quick. So yeah. I uh, I do think that it that you could, in that case, still have a Ryan Reynolds or a Chris Pine do this role very well. There you go. Um, yeah. But their biggest problem that I think John Cusack well is uh he's never been the sex symbol and ryan reynolds and chris pine are very handsome fellas and so you almost i literally at first thought like michael cera would maybe be an interesting take on this because (laughs) it's just like let's go with someone off the beaten path like who looks like a dude that could just straight up disappear there's a bunch of people that like have I've read some—not a bunch of people. I've read some things that are like, "This is the same guy as uh, his character," in saying anything. Yeah, like right, like that. It's a, that it's an evolution of that character. And
0: they had that. Uh, they had that. Uh, they had that tip of the cap to either sixteen candles or saying Anything, I think it was sixteen candles when the chick shows up and she's in the whole body cast thing and the the headgear and all that jazz. That's, I think, from Sixteen Candles. Maybe Joan Cusack's character. Uh, I could be wrong. Um, but speaking of Joan Cusack, actually, I don't have one good one for her. But Minnie Driver, who would, pay Minnie Driver in, who would play Minnie Driver in the 2020 remake? There's only one answer. I want to hear what yours is. Is it Emma Stone?
1: Because that's. It's me? gotta be Emma Stone. It's, it's gotta be to Emma me. Stone. <laughs> There's no other. I literally was like, "Come on, that's too obvious." And then I was like sitting there, and I was like, "Oh man, she crushed that role, though."
2: She'd yeah i sure feel
1: like I feel like maybe a current day brie larson may be able to do it well but she may be too pretty like
0: <laughs> yeah oh uh, but even then the brie larson and emma stone both broke onto the scene and roles as high school kids emma stone with
1: yeah. uh true
0: the a movie uh
1: no she broke on the scene because of super bad but yeah, that's right i'm sorry
0: character. super bad yeah yes uh that's right she broke on the scene with super bad. And Brie Larson kind of broke onto the scene with, uh, was her, her first big role wasn't 21 Jump Street, but she definitely played a teenager in 21 Jump Street. I don't know actually what Scott her Pilgrim. first big
1: role was. Scott Pilgrim was her first like noticeable one that I remember. Wow. Yeah.
0: Wow, She's, that's shocking to me that that movie came out before
1: 21 Jump, 21 Jump
0: Street. Street. Yeah. yeah.
2: I'm going to
1: have to Jordan unpack has- that for a second. Yeah, we're in high school in Scott Pilgrim In college in 21 Jump Street.
0: God, she was great in Scott Pilgrim, too.
1: Yeah, she is great in Scott Pilgrim. And she, what's funny now is that when you when you see her, she's clearly so young in Scott Pilgrim.
0: Huh. No, you're right. 2010, Scott Pilgrim. Wow. Yeah. I would have lost that bet. Uh, I definitely would have lost that bet. Um and then the other one uh, for you, Dan Aykroyd, who plays Dan Aykroyd's character in the twenty twenty remake. I had a couple good ones for this.
1: Dan Aykroyd plays Dan Aykroyd's character in the 2020. i <laughs> <laughs> I'm being sarcastic, be but cheap. it would work well. It would yeah. work really well, like for him to be just significantly older. Um, <laughs> but no, I I I thought about this one for a little bit. I have a couple thoughts of like it depends on how, what your budget is and where you could fit it. But I'm interested in what you would say.
0: I see your Dan Aykroyd, and I raise you Will Ferrell. I yeah, think I Will Ferrell would have exactly. crushed this role.
1: Yeah, yeah. If you're doing, it depends on how big your budget is. I mean, we're we're saying that like they're throwing, at the, I mean, because they're throwing fifty million dollars at least at this, and that's guys saying like we believe in this and want to be a part of it because we literally are just sure. like Emma Stone. Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell are in a movie together. <laughs> and immediately you're like, well, yeah. that's a hundred million dollar movie. <laughs> right. I mean, we just right. described Mario, which is a one hundred million dollar movie. Um, and one may wow. be able to argue that Chris, Pat, Chris Pratt would do the, the title role well. I mean, he is kind of the lovable, goofy guy that seems like he could disappear and could maybe play that ryaness pretty well. He does it well in Guardians of the Galaxy and everything. And so he plays a little you bit more of dumbass, but
0: yeah. <laughs> I thought it was interesting when I was trying to place like a 20, like a 30 something year old actor to kind of play this guy who is going back for ten year reunion. And I realized like I think that because now we're living longer and looking younger as the actors are at least, there's not that many actors in, like, their early 30s that you're like, oh, I yep. know that guy. I've seen him in stuff before. <laughs> like, most of them are, like, 39 pushing 45, and and you're like, oh, Ryan Reynolds, he can't be, like, 35. You're like, oh, he's 42? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Time flies. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, no, I mean, you, you really are hard-pressed to find, like, uh, a mid-30s actor right now. I was trying to think about that. I mean, and that's the thing. It's like, when... Like that's, that's part of the weird part of like being the age we are now where it's like when we were in theater together and there were guys that we were acting with in high school that were like, they're going to go places. They would be places now if it was the 80s, but there's a little bit of an endurance now to the star that they can last a little longer or maybe it's a people don't, they want to you want to squeeze the life out of a bankable Hollywood star and not invest in another. I mean, cause yeah. the natural thing is like, I mean, shoot, how old is he now? Before I say his name, I'm not going to make myself a fool. Like I did with Billy, whatever, uh, Bon Jovi. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Billy Bon Jovi is my favorite. Yeah, He's my Billy
1: favorite bon jo- yeah. Well, here's the deal. Guess who uh, is, would be coming up on his 10 year high school reunion right now. If you're looking for that actor, it's like a list actor. Ten-year high school reunion.
0: Timothy Zach Shackley. Efron's the only one I could think of. What? He
1: looks like he's twelve, and he's twenty-eight years. He's twenty-seven years old. Zach Efron is older than us, dude. I think Zach Efron's
0: almost forty. He's like thirty-two. No. Uh, oh, but th- so that means Tom Holland is probably in that that kind of. Scene. Well, Tom Holland.
1: Maybe like, they're all too pretty, though. I mean that's the that's the tough tr- that's the tough part. Is they...
0: <laughs> I John Cusack like, I does like... have a very forgettable face.
1: I feel like we were really the last generation of high schoolers that was like, like made style mistakes and could afford to, like, because there wasn't enduring think... photo evidence. Like, I mean, you and you and <laughs> Drew had, you and Drew had buzz cuts until you were almost buried. Like, sure. you guys, that's that's just wild. Because like now you think about a kid with a buzz cut, <laughs> and they're like, no, I gotta get on. I God, I hate this. I sound like probably a forty-year-old right now, being like, "Well, I gotta get on TikTok." <laughs> get off my lawn. <laughs> but it no, is wild. My lawn. You may be right. Zach Efron may be maybe the right choice for this.
0: He was the only bankable, like, early thirty-year-old like, I could like think of.
1: Well, he would. He definitely played the comedy part well. He's proven that he can do that, and that's kind of his wheelhouse. Again, his biggest problem is pretty. Like, yeah. That's how about this for you, what about
0: what, what about Hank Azaria's character um, as the, uh, I think he's the federal agent? I kind of got yeah, lost in how agent, those yeah. two guys, yeah, I kind of got lost in how they ended up being with Dan Aykroyd trying to kill John Cusack. Um, I only had one that I really could see doing that today, and it was uh, Jason Bateman, and I don't know how much younger Jason Bateman is than Hank Azaria, but I don't think it's by... A, a whole lot.
1: And there's... The thing about it, too, when you watch those... Especially the Hank Azaria character, he's so young-looking. Where, like... He is, yes. Everyone else is pretty old look- I mean, Dan Aykroyd is obviously, like, this is the tail end of his prime and his bankableness, mm-hmm. and so he's kind of like the aging vet in the comedy scene. Hank is just coming on. Um, obviously, the Simpsons... Established at this point, ninety-seven, but that's all he's got, and it, that's a voice. Oh, role. okay. Um, he hadn't been so in.
0: Uh, he, he hadn't been in Mystery Men yet.
1: No, Mystery Men's ninety-nine
2: or two thousand. I think um, it's ninety-nine, yeah.
1: Which is also funny because it's sitting there like that's a real great bit for you and I. It's like, oh wait, hang on, he hasn't been in his breakout role, Mystery Men yet. <laughs> just means we need to do an epic we need to do an episode where we force drew to watch mystery men and then have him just like break it down and why he thinks it's probably not as good as you and i both know it is
0: um 100 i drew's definitely seen Hank Azaria in as blue raja in the, the master mystery of Man.
1: forks <laughs> the
0: master of forks cutlery i think right no um, he says
1: blue raja master of forks
0: If, if he his hasn't, mom, we're definitely going to make him watch it and do a rewatchable episode of that. His 100%. mom has given
1: a... Uh, his mom gives him her wedding cutlery for his final fight. That's right. That's right. Because she was like, I hope you get married. But I'm realizing that's a long, long way away now. And you're like, oh, okay. man. Okay, let's um, see.
0: What else do you got, bake? Is there anything else that you were just dying to talk about uh, for this? I really do like our, our recast for 2020. Um I'd watch that movie. I'd watch, I'd watch this movie every ten years, and just enjoy the heck do, out of it.
1: I mean, I think it's, I think it's a formula. Like, look, there's formulaic movies that are out there, like that we recreate all the time. This is one that would be welcome into the like the repertoire of like, hey, let's have high school reunion movies, but instead of them being stupid, let's make them stupid <laughs> but in a fun way. Like,
0: but in a fun way. And,
1: And you'd also, like, again, this has got some great action sequences. It's got some great kind of, like, suspense moments. It definitely sets up, like, uh, the will-they-won't-they-well, and there's some twists that happen in it where you don't expect that. Um, But, no, I I can't think of anything that I would really say other than if you're one of the, the dozens that listens to this podcast and you haven't seen it. You gotta, you gotta watch *Gross Point Blank* because it just—I mean, my my biggest thing and my like top movies, and this is in my top ten, top five—is rewatchability. And this is a movie that the more you watch it, the funnier it gets, the more things you catch, and it's just really excellently made. And I think that uh, I think it's super underrated.
0: Um, and so definitely underrated you're funny. not wrong there you and i didn't trust you enough to buy the movie i wish i'd tr- i wish i'd spent one more dollar and trusted you enough to buy the movie as opposed to rent it because i, I even offered to buy watch it that for movie you. Again. i was like i
1: was like i'll pay <laughs> you didn't... the money for
0: it no no i too no. much pride and now after watching it's like dang it i should have bought that movie cuz that was excellent <laughs> i really wish i could watch that again soon Oh, yep. man, that's that was a blast, though. Yeah, I, I should have seen the twist of The Incoming about many Driver's dad. And when I didn't, oh, yeah. I was like, you stupid idiot, Kyle. How did you not see I this for, coming?
1: I forget that that's... Because so many other things happen. Like, you're watching this whole yeah. movie and you're like, basically, like, what an idiot, what an idiot. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And then um, that twist happens. And you're just like, oh, And it also makes it hilarious because you're sitting there being like, oh, so evidently, Minnie Driver's dad and her whole life that she doesn't know about has just been intertwined in this torrid past that she just, yeah. The, um, you know, this is a a throwaway, a poor end, but the bit when he makes their, he makes the fact that he has a tail and it's the FBI agents and he leaves the diner and, or he's walking into the diner and he walks in and he says, I'm going to grab a quick bite to eat. And then I'm going to head back to my hotel. I'll see you guys in about 10. Yeah. One of my favorite moments of the movie, like where they're both just like, damn it. <laughs> Like this yeah. that he made him. It's just really yeah. fun. It's a fun movie. It's just totally worth watching it over and over again.
0: That and uh, his line of, if I knock at your door, you probably did something to bring me there. And he says three or four different times throughout. I you're right highly rewatchable because now I want to go rewatch it again to see the little stuff uh, that I might have missed the first time
1: the things I can hit you with of like the quotable things are yeah uh, you can never go home again but at least you can shop there that is (laughs) one you know I say the phrase you can never go home again this is what it's from uh, okay. And it's what I think of. Austin says it means something different every time I <laughs> say it. I think of "You can never go home again," but at least you can shop there, <laughs> uh, which I love. Uh, my my, you're a handsome devil is a really funny like throw throwaway line. Um, yeah. Uh, the the line that Dan Aykroyd says that is a like like a common line, but it's in the way he says it. And it's the workers of the world unite. I think is hilarious when they both shoot the FBI agent he's he he workers of the world unite? Look at yes. that empty. Like great moment. Uh the 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 line you pointed out, he's got a n uh he's got a new respect for life or he's in love mm-hmm. with that girl. It's great. Yeah. Um and then the uh just the dad's last line of the you've got my blessing is um, as oh a very yeah that's really funny where it, it's his only line in the movie is it's close God, to my blessing so yeah those are those are some of uh there's some really great quotable lines
0: I'm really glad that you suggested this movie because now i'm thinking about it again and I want to watch it again so I appreciate you bringing this to uh to my purview and Dale if you're listening I'm mad at you for not showing me this on so our blockbuster movie nights but I forgive you Because we watched Armageddon, so.
1: I did a better job showing your son movies than you ever did.
0: (laughs) Oh my god, that's that's a step too far. That seems like one step too far. Next
1: week on Not the Podcast You Deserve.
0: (laughs) Final thoughts, Baker?
1: No, nah, it's a great movie. It's totally worth watching. I bet. I bet. Also, I trust Dale enough that if you were like, "Hey, Dad, Growth Point Blanks amazing," he'd be like, "Oh my gosh, yeah, it's fantastic." <laughs> so.
2: You
0: know what? I'm gonna text him now that you said that. I'm gonna text him, <laughs> him to see what happens. I don't think he likes Joan Cusack, so I bet there's I bet there's a reason why he didn't show me this movie.
1: Oh, that's another also great didn't moment. He showed me
0: 16 Candles. So.
1: That's another great moment in the movie when Joan Cusack is wearing that absolutely ridiculous coat. And you see her and you're like, that is the dumbest coat I've ever seen. And the first thing that John Cusack says to her is, listen, Sergeant Pepper. And it is (laughs) awesome. Oh, man. Because it's a super self-aware movie. It's really fun.
0: It is that. All right. It is that. And speaking of self-aware, Baker, thank you for being on the podcast and uh, talking about Gross Point Blank uh, with me, listener. Thanks for sticking around. And uh, join us next week as we talk, I don't know, something else. Baker, you want to come?
1: Sure. I, I told you guys, if we, we can figure out that quotable bracket, let's do it.
0: Oh, yeah. Listeners, submit your uh, most quotable movies to us on Twitter at MTPOID Podcast or Instagram at MTP80 Podcast. Thanks for listening. This is not the podcast we use.